Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe for your free 30-day subscription. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast from filmstage.com. As always, I am your team leader, Brian J. Rowan. With me in the jump seat, we got Robin Barr. Jesus Christ. (laughs) My wingman today, we got Bill Graham. Uh, You can call me Frostbite. That's what you've chosen? (laughs) You've chosen Frostbite? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, we should have come up with freaking call oh, signs. I know what mine yeah, is. I don't have call signs? I Jesus, call what's wrong with y'all? Mine's going to be Honey Bear. I like it. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, because your middle name's Honey. All right, I guess. And when you do something de- deceive or what Deceitful? What am I trying to see? Uh, no, I was going to say devious. Okay. Uh, we'll call you Pooh Bear. I don't. Mm. Oh my god! All right, I'm devious just, most of the time. So. I have no <laughs> fucking concept of what my call sign would be. I, I'm going to leave that up for y'all to figure out. Clear boy. Mm. No, no, no. That sounds like I'm a Scientologist. I refuse. Impressoid. Moonshine. What about moonshine? Oh, there you cute. go. Okay. All right. My my call sign is moonshine. Um, and we can call that. you unaged. With us today, uh, uh, joining our detachment for this special mission, we have with us Kendra James. Hey, everyone. Uh, I think my call sign's Axel. Oh. I've just decided that. I'm that's a figure skater. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> that's then. great. All right. So we got a- Axel, uh, Honey Bear, <laughs> Frostbite, and Moonshine. Bill, can I ask? <laughs> you're from Dallas. Why Frostbite? Uh, that that's a a long running username thing back in like competitive shooters. So, oh okay, huh? Interesting. All right. Well, let's get, is it with is it is it spelled like it sounds, or do you throw a fucking Y in there or something? Oh no no no! no. But uh, I I was trying to join a clan at, a, at one point, and typically when you join a clan, you have to put like their little like tag in front of your name, right? And uh, so. I couldn't be Frostbite because the clan was called Saint and it was too many letters. And so I had to become Saint Love Frosty. And so technically Love Frosty is... How is Love Frosty (laughs) shorter than... Because everybody, instead of calling me Frostbite, they would just call me Frosty. And then when I was trying to get recruited by them, I was like Saint Love Frosty. Oh shit! You know what? My call sign should have been Saint because that actually was a nickname of mine for a time, and I'm Catholic. Okay, and and so that means that in a movie like this, they'd be like, "Oh, he's praying again. Oh, he's praying like ah, oh, he's got a cross on or something. That's his one thing. <laughs> that is his personality." Anyway, we're here today. To Saint talk- Moonshine. <laughs> we're here today to talk about Top Gun Maverick, uh, the new film from director Joseph Kaczynski, um, starring Tom Cruise. And other people, but they don't matter. This is the Top Cruise Show. Um, But Kendra, why don't you introduce yourself to the listening audience? Tell them a little about yourself and who you are. Uh, Sure, yeah. No, my name's Kendra James. Um, I got, I'm a longtime Tom Cruise fan. I think that's why I'm here. I've been looking forward to this movie since like 2010, 2012. 
uh, like what? back when it was first rumored. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I've like wanted this for a long time. Um, I love Tom Cruise and I'm sure we'll get into it. Uh, but other than that, uh, I used to be a, I, well, I'm still a writer. I wrote a book this year called Admissions about my time at boarding school. I used to be a uh, film critic, TV critic and general editor, entertainment editor at uh, Shondaland. And um, then I ran the StarTrek.com website for a while, uh, the official Star Trek website. And now I produce podcasts at Crooked Media, where, um, yeah, I work on Love It or Leave It and Keep It. Uh, Neither of those places where I've gotten to enthusiastically discuss uh, Top Gun yet. No Tom Cruise doesn't come up a lot in those those places? Uh, Not so much, no. (laughs) I am. I I have to ask this up front. Okay, speaking of the fact that, you know, you've been anticipating this movie since like 2012. Um, yes. Did anyone watch the video of the guy eating his shoe? I think it was oh, Matt. Grand. Matt Patches. Yes. He's edited yes. me before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard about it. I couldn't watch that. I've, I've met Patches. He's been on this show, I'm pretty sure. Someone check that. Can the producer check that? <laughs> yeah. You are the producer, brother. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts where like they have like a producer sitting off to the side who can Google things like that. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I, I fucking would love to have that. Oh, well, we're okay. happy to have 254 you, <laughs> okay. War for the Planet of the Apes. Glad we solved that mystery. It was a huge mystery. <laughs> it would have bothered me the rest of the show. But Kendra, we are glad to have you here. Um, and uh, yeah, go on Twitter and check out Matt Patches eating a shoe because apparently he made a proclamation that if this movie ever happened, he'd do it. And uh, you could say anything you want about him. He's a man of his word. Was it like shoe pastry? I have no idea. I didn't watch the video. I'm uh, I'm saving myself for it. Like a pun on a shoe? Maybe it was like a shoe fly pie. That would be so lame if that's what he did. I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking about the theoretical idea of eating a shoe, and I'm just like, like, like if this was an edible object, I would be like, oh, okay, like maybe that's gross. But now, like that, I think about it, I'm just like, well, that's not just gross or weird. Like it's it just seems impossible. Like, like literally, you would have to boil it before right, you yeah. could eat it right and it's just like and okay what are we or something you know you could do it you could make it happen they did it at jonestown not jonestown jamestown when they were starting okay okay yeah sure okay. who's crinkling yeah who's crinkling? Sorry, i that's me sorry bill you were talking while you were crinkling that's impressive <laughs> Anyway, could be a lot of editing at the opening of this episode. That's not ever a good sign for me. Anyway, um, so Kendra, we're super happy to have you here. We're super excited to talk about Top Gun Maverick, a movie that I never believed would actually happen, uh, even after I saw the first trailer, because it was delayed by COVID. But here we are, uh, two years later, and we're watching it, and we're here to talk about it. Before we get into that, um, the usual stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can email us podcast at filmstage.com. And of course, you can give us a comment rating on iTunes or wherever else you catch podcasts. And uh, we are brought to you by our fine and loving and wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash filmstage show. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel and first crack at all of our raffles and stuff. 
It's been some heated conversations in there as Khan has wound to a close and uh, as as people have seen Top Gun Maverick. So you should be a part of that. We are also brought to you, of course, by Mubi. Um, Mubi is a curated filming service, <laughs> filming service, a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a brand new film. Uh, it could be a timeless classical favorite or an acclaimed masterpiece. Either way, it's guaranteed to be a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected by their wonderful curators, so you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch. Instead, you'll actually be watching something great. Uh, we talked about a bunch of stuff uh, the other day, and that's all great, but I want to talk about something that's just come onto the platform. It is from the one, the only, David Lynch. It is 2001's Mulholland Drive. Has everyone seen Mulholland Drive? Yes. Can yeah. we all agree that it's wonderful? It's okay. I was about to say, actually, before I say that, Robin feels like she's going to be a dissenter on this. Um, when I first saw it at the age of like 17, I thought it was quite literally the worst movie I'd ever seen. I had no concept of David Lynch or indie film or surrealism or anything like that. Um, I saw it again a few years later after I'd gotten more into his work and I did like it a lot more. I just also think that there are a lot of long stretches of that movie that are very fall asleepable. You should never watch Inland Empire. Oh, I hate that movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's like uh, literally my least favorite Lynch movie. No, besides Firewalk with me. Interesting. Whoa. I'm surprised that Jordan Raup allows you to be anywhere near the film stage with that opinion. I know. Um, <laughs> that's where a big tent, the film stage.com. Um, anyway, Mulholland Drive, initially conceived as a TV pilot, only to be transformed into a feature film. What the fuck was that television show going to be like? Every time I hear <laughs> that that bit of trivia, I'm like, come on come on but anyway probably like 15 years too early <laughs> <laughs> it was just another twin peaks and they knew that they were gonna piss everyone off anyway mulholland drive is an uncorked lightning in a bottle of hollywood fantasies baroque emotions and noir dreamscapes i'm gonna keep going because i feel like talking about a lynch movie while dogs are barking in the background makes a lot of sense David Lynch's surreal puzzle box unfolds. Do you unfold a puzzle box? In a bewitching story <laughs> of love and revenge in the city of angels. Um, so that is awesome. That is a movie that is worth seeing, even if Robin only says it's okay. But remember, she thought it was the worst movie ever. Now she says it's okay. So maybe in another it's 20 decent. Years, it's solid. In another 20 years, she'll say it's a masterpiece. Anyway, so we are super excited for that. And remember that you can get a free 30-day trial subscription to Mubi by going to MUBI.com. You get Mubi for free for 30 days by going to MUBI.com slash filmstage. That's MUBI.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So that is it. Unless we have anything else to talk about, we can jump into our feature review. That is, of course, of the movie Top Gun Maverick, which is out exclusively in theaters right now and this movie is directed by joseph kosinski picking up from the late tony scott and stars once more in the jump seat in the cockpit whatever they call it as maverick tom cruise and here is the trailer What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? 
is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? All right. So that is the trailer in part for Top Gun Maverick out in theaters now. This movie involves Tom Cruise's Captain Pete Mitchell, uh, call sign Maverick, teaching a group of Top Gun graduates uh, how to uh, fly an especially deadly mission. The details of which I'm sure at some point we'll talk about, but which are not super important to the movie at hand. So we're here to talk about that, it. given how many times they repeat it. <laughs> they, I mean, it's like, oh, like it's like materially important, I guess. But like, it's not like knowing that you're like, oh, wow, this movie is like it's the enemy. Once again, these movies, <laughs> there's now two of them. So I get to say these movies are adept at not naming any actual combatants in this. They don't even like. This is so important. In the first movie, they're at least like the MiG. The MiG is a real airplane. The enemy has MiGs. And in this one, they're just like fifth generation fighters. And it's like, I don't even know what that fifth generation of what. Doesn't matter. Here we're going to talk about Top Gun Maverick and uh, see what we thought about it. I'd love to also hear, of course, uh, at the beginning before we talk about it, what we all think of the original Top Gun. Um, so if you could each begin your nutshell thoughts with your feelings on that, uh, that would be fantastic. So Kendra, what are your thoughts on the original Top Gun and how do you think this new movie compares? Um, original Top Gun is not necessarily like my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Um, I enjoy it every time I see it. I never enjoy watching it at home. Uh, usually I'm originally from New York and now I'm out here in LA and I spend a lot of time down in San Diego. So every time I've seen Top Gun, pretty much like since high school has either been on top of the intrepid in New York mm. or on top of, I forget the name of the battleship now that's docked down in San Diego. But every time I've seen it has been in those two locations, which are kind of, you know, the prime uh, places to see Top Gun. So I think those viewing experience have raised it um, in my estimation of like what it normally would be were I watching it sitting at home uh but i still really i really enjoy it um it's a it's a really good time i think this one was better and i think that comes uh from both age his passion or whatever you want to call it for filmmaking um and just like improved improved uh, characters but yeah no i i enjoy top gun overall all right Bill Graham, likewise. Thoughts on Top Gun. Thoughts on this Top Gun and how it le- and how it uh, measures up. Well, hopefully the dogs don't uh, interrupt into spontaneous barking again. But were they having a um, dog fight? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh I, I I truly wish. Uh, no, no, I don't wish that. Um, never mind. Uh, <laughs> starting a dog fighting ring. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, okay, so. Thoughts on the original. Um, I rewatched this with Erica not that long ago because she had never seen it, I think, all the way through. And I think we were doing kind of like a Tony Scott run. Um, And this is definitely not one of his best films. It is probably one of his most well-known, which isn't necessarily a great thing. Um... It, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's it's a great film because it's well known. It's one of those weird 
movies, especially in the 80s, that is just very, very 80s from the music, from the uh, way that the characters are dressed. They're playing volleyball in jeans. And you're like, who the fuck plays volleyball in jeans? What's going on? Um, you know, there's all sorts of just different things like that going on. Um, there's a lot of... I, I believe the original film, they had to get approvals from the uh, Navy to actually film some of the sequences because they needed the planes to be a, a key part of the movie. And so, you know, they had script approval and all of this other shit. Um, it's a very kind of fun bad movie i would say in in a lot of ways but it also knows what it is um at times i would say uh it's definitely taken on a life of its own beyond its creator in a lot of ways and i still find it very enjoyable but it's it's definitely a thing where afterwards you have to kind of have a conversation about like what was intended, what wasn't, you know, things like that. So uh, a very nuanced, weird film, I would say, uh, that has just continued to have this kind of cult status. Um, in terms of my reaction to the new one, uh, I, I really didn't want a new one. I didn't understand why we were getting another one. I thought they told a very complete story in their original um but hot damn am i glad they did because this movie fucking rips it's uh it's pretty damn entertaining and it's funny because that seems to be the universal comment that i keep hearing over and over is boy does this one make the other one like either look bad or it's just a flat out improvement on what they, you know, some other people might consider like a, a, a fantastic movie or things like that. Right. Like, so, um, it's a classic and this one's better than it in so many different ways. I think the homages and the callbacks and some of the things they do are actually like lovely and i hate it usually when they do stuff like this but this film very much knows that it is playing homage and it doesn't try to you know fake it out or do anything like that it's like no we're going to be a little a little hokey here and that's okay and everybody's gonna be fine and then we'll move on and they do that um so yeah very very entertaining film uh highly recommended even if you haven't seen the original like it doesn't fucking matter go see it like <laughs> <laughs> all right robin Barr. yeah i i have to agree here um with with bill but with some caveats so i did like this movie better than the original top gun um which uh i know brian's gonna have a lot to say about my husband and i watched the movie I'd never seen it. Obviously, it's a, a, considered a classic. I've ne I'd never seen it, um, just because it's not really the kind of movie that would be, you know, in my demographic or whatever, which is fine. Uh, but then we did this Tom Cruise weekend where we watched like Risky Business and Cocktail, and we're just like, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna see Top Gun, and it, to me, it was fine. Like I found myself really rooting for. Iceman. <laughs> I just kind of felt like the 
you know, the priggish dude who just wants everybody to follow the rules. Like that was much more my speed than <laughs> Maverick. Um, so, you know, we, so that that's what I really enjoyed was Val Kilmer in that movie. Um, so, you know, coming into this, I had kind of pretty low expectations and I did find myself really enjoying the sensorial experience of those fight sequences. Like I kept thinking, or, you know, a flying sequences rather. Um, it was just really fun to watch it. I thought the cinematography was super cool. I thought the sound design was really great. And I keep thinking in my mind, like, oh yeah, Oscar, 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 you know, for all of the, all of the technicals. Um, so, that, you know, that was great. The special effects, like I really enjoyed what made it fun. And I think I had a harder time with maybe not the story because the story is what it is. Like, I don't know how much they can improve upon it, but the, the characterizations I really struggled with. Like I kept thinking, why do we not know who any of these younger pilots are as people you get them as sort of like imprints of human beings. Like, okay, there's the girl, there's the nerdy one. There's like the dickheaded one. Uh, And that's basically it. That's like the, the, as much as we get of those character development or that's, that's as much character development as we get for, you know, one third of the pilots the rest are basically background characters and then you have um rooster which we'll get into which you know it 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 has this the film kind of does this thing where in order to play up the original like a lot of reboots or sequel reboots it tries to go beat for beat from the last movie and kind of have like similar characters and similar conflicts and uh so i felt like they they tried to create Miles Teller's character to be this phantom of Goose uh, or or um, uh, Anthony Edwards, and it just kind of rings hollow for me. So I had a lot of fun with it. I did enjoy the movie, but I still felt, felt like it was pretty empty in other ways. Yeah, so I, I feel like, when I reach back into the, the the dark, murky corners of my memory, Top Gun might be the first movie I ever remember seeing. Um, we had a VHS copy that I'm pretty sure my parents taped off of television, um, possibly on like one of those free weekends HBO used to give out back in the day. Um, this movie, uh, this movie being Top Gun uh, by Tony Scott is super important to me. It's probably the movie that made me love movies. It alongside King Kong and the original and uh the adventures of robin hood uh with errol flynn um mm. those are like the urtext movies for me um and then i guess also you got to throw in their land before time um so like <laughs> I, I like there had to be one kid movie um, you are a boy that's I'm, all i'm gonna say <laughs> i'm a i'm a blues kid what can i say uh we've already talked about this um Top Gun is super important to me. I mean, I I had the the soundtrack on cassette tape. Uh, I would listen to it all the time. It it's 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 just like to me, it is what movies are. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, going back and like watching it again uh, on an, on a, <laughs> we watched it at, at home over Christmas on VHS. Like that's just what my parents still have for this movie. And my daughter loves the music because I have a vinyl of the soundtrack that we play at the distillery every now and then. Um, somewhere on my social media, there's a video of my daughter, like three years old, dancing to Danger Zone. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I watched it and I, I, I still like it a lot. Like, you know, I, I understand that like 
in terms of what is the story. It's, is this cocky fighter pilot going to be able to win the competition for being the best cocky fighter pilot? Um, there's like some stuff about his dad sprinkled in there, but it's like all very loose. This movie introduced me to the concept of death <laughs> alongside Littlefoot's mother. Um, so like I still hold a huge place in my heart for Top Gun just as as a pure cinematic experience. Full stop. And I think that Top Gun Maverick is as good as a sequel to it probably could have been given like the state of Hollywood and all the egos involved. But this is like not a great movie. And outside of what Robin was talking about with like the sensorial experience, it's actually like really kind of a letdown in a lot of ways. And I'm not going to say it's like West Side Story. We're watching the remake has probably poisoned how I will ever be able to rewatch the original um, in a way that made me actually angry at it. But this movie does kind of make me sad to know that like a movie that had operated with some level of of reality turned into a weird cartoon and like maverick has become as all tom cruise characters must like a god it's sort of like it's the same as like if you watch the first mission impossible and then you watch whatever the fuck the next one is i don't even is it the eighth the seventh is coming okay i thought that we i thought the seventh was fallout or Whatever the last the last one was Fallout, right? Doesn't matter. If you were to, if you were to watch the most recent or the coming up Mission Impossible movie, Ethan Hunt has gone from a dude can nearly get his ass kicked by John Voight to literally an unstoppable god. What what Alec Baldwin calls like the manifestation of fate or whatever, and it's isn't it just Double O Seven? What? No, no. Mission Impossible is not. James no, Bond. I know. I, I mean, like that's kind of what the franchise has become, though. It's because it's become more it's, than. I that. think it's beyond Bond. It is. It is. Point. It is like a slightly more grounded Fast and Furious. Like it's. Mm. I, <laughs> what? Like you know how no, Fast I, and I Furious. Okay. Yeah, it, it, the Fast and the Furious movies, like the first one, they're like stealing computers or DVD players or something. And in the most recent one, they went to space. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. They they are VHS DVD combo players oh or something God. like well, that. It's it's like, whoa. We're like gold back in the day. Um, <laughs> What was I saying? Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, you took a human and now you've turned them into a demigod. And like, I I understand the desire to do that, but it's like a little... I don't know. So like I'm watching this movie and moment to moment, I'm like, oh, I like this. Oh, this is fun. And it wasn't until like the last third where I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Come on, guys. Well, the last third, it it becomes Mission Impossible, which I appreciated. Oh, see, I fucking hated that. (laughs) I I never want to see. This is like a spoiler, so I can't talk about it. We're going to get into spoilers very quickly because I feel like a lot of it's going to come down to how you feel about the last act. But I mean, I don't know. I also just feel like like, man, I hate agreeing with Robin about the negative. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, yeah, the, the you know, I won't, I won't say that, like, all the other pilots in the original Top Gun were well fleshed out. But like, I, I don't know, just like this, this really felt like a waste of a lot of these people. I feel like by focusing on Maverick so much, 
you know, it just, it really shortchanged everyone else. I, I kind of said in our Slack, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash the film state show, um, that I feel like Maverick should have been like the Tom Skerritt character or even like the Michael Ironsides character. Mm. You know, he should have, he should have been there. We should have known who these, he was and, and all these other fucking kids should not have known who he was. And they should have just been like not understanding, but he's imparting his wisdom. And it's like a little wink and a nudge for us, but they're like, maybe Goose's son should have been like Maverick, like Mm -hmm. in that way. Like there's just a lot of like narrative things that I feel like would have been richer and more interesting. And instead the movie literally gives us the same fucking mustache and the same. Yeah. I hated that fucking mustache and And I hated. Yeah. It should have been like, not that song. It's too. Yeah. Well, and I'll just, I'll uh, I'll let you go, Bill, but I just, my final thing is Glenn Powell should have been the star of this movie. The movie should have only been about him. And can you and tell us who Glenn Powell is? He's is, is he the cocky dude? Okay, yeah, thank you. He's, yeah. he's the guy with the he's Ice Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the mustache, it, it, it has to be said, the mustache is a requirement, not because of if you look at anybody's facial hair in this film, they either have a mustache or they have no facial hair because they are pilots because they have to strap on that, that mask on their face. This is also a common thing in firefighters. You see one style of mustache or you see no facial hair whatsoever. And like, I I get that. Yes, it is a little much, but the only thing like the only facial hair that he can grow is going to be that same fucking mustache i'm just gonna say then don't grow facial hair like what i I understand like like, he's just so aggressively like his dad that it's like sure kind of annoying to me and it just feels like but but i imagine his dad is his hero a because like he barely met his dad right like like he was he, he was, was like, like what three, like probably yeah and so his dad you know he's his dad is like a mythological f- figure to him and of course he wants to be just like his dad like why why wouldn't Look, you because, i love my father you know he has been clean shaven my his my entire life and i wear a full beard so i don't know what to tell you like you can okay like did he dad. die in a in a fighting pilot incident Not though yet, but no still time <laughs> okay well <laughs> you know like I'm, I'm just saying, you what know. What would you have done like, if I said yes? <laughs> well, we know well, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have been like, well, uh, why is your call like why why did it take you so long to call uh, find your call sign? You know, but no, uh, but no, I, I mean, I don't know. Like hero worship's definitely a thing, especially with like a deceased parent or something like that. I guess, especially I, one that didn't die in like a bad way, just died, you know, in like an accident. <laughs> you know, it's like no fault of his own necessarily, and it's just like, yeah, hell yeah, yeah I want to be a fighter you pilot. Grow a mustache in honor of someone who died in a drunk driving accident. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yes. So that's just my thoughts. I don't know. Like, it, this is by no means like a terrible movie, but it does. It is a little disappointing to me as a massive fan of Top Gun, and you know, as someone who I was earnestly like super excited for this movie because I, I like the the first trailer, which I remember seeing on a Metro train, which like I had to have been like three to four years ago. <laughs> um, I I just remember and being like, oh, like it's a movie about 
honest that first trailer had a real like john henry kind of vibe to it if you all recall it really seemed like it was gonna be maverick versus the drones and i was like all right that's interesting i feel like this uh, like death star trench run that these people are on is is less <laughs> compelling than even like you know just the non objective of the, the first movie but i don't know it's it's a uh, I don't know. It's I C, C minus, but the action scenes are B plus. Like I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Well, does it help your enjoyment? And tell me if I'm going too far into spoilers here. But if you ima- if you subscribe to the theory that everything that happens in the movie after the first crash uh, with just Tom is a death dream, does that help you at all? Absolutely <laughs> not. One hundred percent no. <laughs> I would open my own vein on mic if that were the case. I will say an article just went up like asking if maybe that's what was going on. It's not a theory that I necessarily subscribe to, but I can understand how they got there. I okay. I need to go back in time and murder Ambrose Bierce. And so that he (laughs) never writes an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. You smug son of a bitch. That's just, I'm sorry, Pierce, you have to die. It's the only way to save the future of film writing. <laughs> I can't. No, I can't. I can't deal with that. I will say that I, that, that moment made me laugh where he walks in to the yeah. diner and just like points at the water chance to him. And then as so I was like, where am I? And the little kid says earth. Yeah, that was a great scene. <laughs> that was cute as fuck. That was a good moment. That's that's the that's the charm there, you know. He he knows what he's working with, and and let's be very honest, you know. I I I just listened to like a brief snippet of an interview with Joseph Kaczynski, and he was talking about how he had thirty minutes to pitch Tom Cruise after he had already made Oblivion, right? With him, a movie that I quite enjoyed. He had 30 minutes to pitch him in between like filming on location in Paris. I assume it was one of the Mission Impossible films or as they like to call it, a mission. Um, that is that is not a mission. It is just mission. They just call it mission. Um, sorry. Uh, but so he had 30 minutes to pitch him and literally it was like a 25 minute pitch. At the end of it, Tom goes, great, cool. Sounds, sounds amazing. And like literally called up Paramount and was like, Hey, we're making a Top Gun sequel. Like that's, that's why this film exists. It, it doesn't exist because Top Gun is a franchise. It exists because Tom Cruise is a thing. And so, you know, I, I understand that you're frustrated that this film is very much like Tom Cruise on on display but otherwise this film doesn't exist which doesn't necessarily mean that it's good because of that right like just because it, it, it goes back to what I was saying why does this film exist I don't fucking know like nobody has a clue except for that Tom Machine or Tom Cruise exists and in his machinations he's just gonna swallow this franchise whole and turn it into the tom cruise show i do love which, that your freudian slip for tom cruise was tom machine but it is it is funny because you know that seems to be not a large part but like you know a, a significant part of your criticism of this film and it's just like it's a double-edged sword because if if it isn't that, 
then Tom Cruise isn't in this movie. And if well, Tom, Tom Cruise isn't in, then this movie doesn't exist. Right. But it's just kind of weird that like Tom Cruise is like 60 years old. He's like five, four, he's 59, whatever. Yeah. But he, no, no, he, I, I just, I just did the research. Connolly is 51. 51. Uh, Cruise is 59 and Kilmer is 62. I was actually surprised Kilmer was older than him. So, older too, yeah. Um, what I was gonna say is, so he's he's fifty nine and he's like five foot four. Feel free to fact check me on that. But like he enters a movie and it's like The Rock just walked in, where you're like, oh, this isn't real. Like this can't mm-hmm. be a real life thing we're watching. Like neither of these two could ever play a human character again. That's mm-hmm. like part of the charm for me. I mean, that's why I loved this, and that's why I have loved sort of the uh, increasing insanity of the Mission Impossible movies. Um, because he, I, I always, before, even before the, the talk that he gave at Cannes this year, I have always compared him to Gene Kelly, uh, in my head in, in that these are two very intense, uh, men who can be kind of hard to work with, uh, because they have that sort of sense of perfectionism in wanting to achieve, uh, whatever it is in Tom's case, it's generally the stunt or the action in Gene Kelly's case, it was the dancing um, and that intensity and that desire usually makes the projects that they're in center around them uh, to a point where the movie could not exist without them. Um, and that's what I like because you know that you're not, if, if Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth could do in the MCU what Tom Cruise can do on any one movie that he's doing, whether it's within a franchise or it's a standalone piece, they would have done that already. These other people just aren't capable of doing what he can do. And that's why I enjoy it. So, so distill that a little more, like what is he doing? It's, it's the dedication to the stunt work. It's the practical stunts that I love. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously it's a little bit different in, in Top Gun too. I think this is maybe the most restricted. And I say that like very uh, broadly that he's been in that the Navy wouldn't let him fly the the F-18s and wouldn't let him. I think he also wasn't allowed to fly the F-14 in the third act of the movie. But he is going to, whether it's flying a plane or jumping off a cliff or, uh, or even doing sleight of hand magic, you know that he's doing it and there's no CGI, there are no effects. And that's what I love. I just love seeing someone push literally push themselves uh, to the physical limits of what they're capable of. And I, I, he's the only person doing that. And it makes it so fun and unique to watch. Maybe it's because you know, watching it, that like, oh, he could die at any moment. Right. Cause um. he's, he's, he is a movie star. Yes. But he is also an entertainer. Like, and I don't yes. think of yes. like Chris Hemsworth as an entertainer, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah you like, you, you said it perfectly. Like, and I, I, I get that. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I, I reached a breaking point after Ghost Protocol with uh, the, the Mission Impossible movies. I feel like that was the one where I was like, I can handle this. I can handle this. I can handle this. <laughs> and then what was the one after Ghost Protocol? Was it? Uh, Rogue Nation. Yeah, I think that's the one where I was like. That's right. that's one of my favorites. Like, man. After Rogue Nation that's, was Fallout, that's, right? I know I That's the introduction. Fallout. That's the introduction of Rebecca Ferguson and her character. And like the music in that is fantastic. And just like, 
Yeah. And yeah. It, it's just, so, <laughs> of course, uh, it's, it's just so good, but, and you know, this film is very much the Macquarie cruise factor at play again as well. I right. imagine. And I, I feel like yes. part of it is just that like Tom Cruise has found his, per- oh, there's like not a good way to put this. I've got partners. A- <laughs> I was going to say yeah. stooge or fluffer or toady in Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's just cause it's just like, Oh, I found someone who will constantly write me and, and direct me as like the world's most capable, wonderful human being. And it's like, why would I ever not let him be involved in any story that I'm a part of? I I was going to say, but also like Macquarie is also famous for like he has been doing this stuff before. It's not just, you know, started in uh, in the uh, Mission Impossible films, but like he is someone that that used to come in and, and help punch up scripts and help help do this kind of service now he's just such a big name that now they're proudly going to put his name on the actual screenplay credits and stuff like that you know uh things like that but like best friend uh look at me calling him tom like we know each other it's like when i call terry um, malik terry (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I think the other thing is is he's also known as someone that you call in to rescue a project, and this this project did not necessarily have the smoothest uh, takeoff. How should we say? Um, you know, yeah. Sorry, it, that was a little forced. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Um, but yeah, so it, this is a film that had some troubles. It had some reshoots. It. Had had some reworking of the screenplay and things like that. So, you know, it's also a project that many people had kind of taken a stab at um, before Kaczynski came in with his take. So, you know, there is that as well. I, I just want to make sure it's clear that it like, I don't think Macquarie was necessarily involved from the jump. No, he he definitely came in midpoint. And like that's one of the things that I wonder about this too. I and I wonder about like some of the other things that he sort of stepped in on uh with Tom. I I I guess he I'm came, you know. Um <laughs> That's like that was like the whole thing about him in the Mission Impossible movies, right? Is that like yes. Chris McQuarrie basically came into like a troubled one and was like what are you fucking talking about? This is the Tom Cruise show. And Tom Cruise is like, I like the way this guy thinks. And then that's the well, story of his it, career yeah, since it, then. It, it, if, if I'm not mistaken, that that original one was the Brad Bird uh, Tom Cruise film, which also was supposed to be heavily rumored, unconfirmed, I think, you know, broadly, but speculated to the point where there's smoke, there's fire um, that it was supposed to be him handing off the reins to Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Renner. Yeah. And then it was just like, eh, fuck that. And so it was like, oh, shit, this is happening in the middle of our movie. Like, uh, OK, I guess Tom wants to be in the yeah, franchise I, I moving listened forward. To a, I listened to a very long conversation with Chris McQuarrie, a, a man who is incredibly oh, yeah. intelligent and will talk your fucking ear off. It was like one of those yeah. empire ones that he does. Where mm-hmm. three yeah, long. he and he yes. talked about that. And I, I think that it was Ghost Protocol. That that mm-hmm. it, would, it, it would have been Ghost Protocol, but they first worked together or would have first sort of interacted together on Valkyrie. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's, I think. 
Right. That's an edge lick, right? No, Valkyrie was the one by who's the the accused uh, child. Uh, 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 Brian Singer. Brian Singer. Yes. Gotcha. Because Macquarie wrote Usual Suspects. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. I like, I you know, it's Tom Cruise is a powerful man and he's he's very good at what he does. And like, you know, he does a lot. Honestly, I don't know if you guys got this, but before my movie, Tom Cruise stared me in the eyes from the screen (laughs) and said, hey, guys, like, oh, man, we're so excited. You know, that this the Top Gun Maverick, blah, 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 like, you know, 30 years, blah, you know. And we made this movie, f- and we're so excited that you c- – so, basically, he, he ended it by saying, like, we did this for you. Like, we hope you enjoy this movie that we made for you. And I, a cynical person who could never feel love from anyone, in that <laughs> moment felt that Tom Cruise truly loved me specifically and made this movie and was handing it to me. It was like a weird – he's got that weird charismatic magnetism. Oh, yes. I've been in his presence three times total in my life. <laughs> Were and, you uh, I mean, hypnotized? Yes. He pulls you in just like with the power of his eyes. And I actually, I heard about that um, that opener from another friend. But because we saw it in an AMC, we got Nicole Kidman, of course. Oh, I got both. <laughs> I got both. Oh, I was going to say, I oh. guess they figured they couldn't have both. But I was, oh, if they're showing both, I, I'm upset. You have my no idea. Then. You have no idea what my emotions were like during that. I was like, first I've got, <laughs> first I've got Nikki Kay walking me through the world's most pristine and a gorgeous looking AMC, telling me that heartbreak feels good in a place like this. And then Tom Cruise... With his toothsome smile, just like, ah, oh. it was like, I, I was like, I should just leave right now. It doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> I, and I, I, he genuinely, like, I, I haven't seen it, but I have to assume, like, this movie meant so much to him that I remember when I, so I worked at Star Trek, like I mentioned, and um, that's a, a now Viacom, it was Viacom CBS when I was there. Now the whole thing is known as Paramount because it's the movie studio and the, TV company, but so people there knew, uh, because we were on a company-wide Slack, people there knew that I was very, very into Tom Cruise, very excited for both uh, Top Gun 2 and Mission Impossible, the 7 and 8. So when everything was delayed for COVID, people started, like, sending me these, like, little rumors. So I was hearing about the Bob Backish Tom Cruise arguments sort of in real time while they were happening, which is... (laughs) that Bob Backish wanted to release this onto streaming and wanted to get it out there, I guess, back in Mar- um, summer of 2020 when it was supposed to be released. Having seen it now and having like heard the, read the full report in The Hollywood Reporter about how hard uh, Cruz fought to save this for, for theaters, I have to say, like, had Bob Backish won and released this on streaming, that should have cost him his job. This is not a movie. Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, like... That should have ever been allowed to stream. What was he thinking? This movie is like yeah, as a sensory experience. Like go see it on the big screen. Like and I saw it on like I don't know a modest screen. You know, still a bigger <laughs> I, I, I screen. Went, yeah, I went to see it on IMAX. Like that's I specifically yeah. like like that's that was the thing that I kept hearing over and over was people were people just being like yeah go see this on IMAX and honestly like the. Uh, 
as much as I enjoy the Marvel movies, I don't see them on IMAX. I don't give a fuck that much about it because usually they're not like a sensory movie. It's like it's big and it's pretty and it's fun. But like, that's it. This I knew would be like a sensory movie. And so, yeah, I, I. uh, message my buddy. I was like, I don't do this very often, but let's go see this on like a true IMAX screen. Well, so like, I um I I this this uh, for whatever reason I watch the movie Tenet a lot. I what? don't <laughs> I don't know why. That's that's actually one right. I saw on the small screen. That that was that was one of the uh, sacrifices, you know, sacrificial lambs <laughs> early on in the pandemic that yeah. you know so like, I ended up seeing it's, on it's the small screen. I I I wanted to see Tenet on the big screen, but they released it. I don't know, like what was it? They re- they released it in like August or something. Like, like yeah, yeah, it was August, a bad time. Yeah, they didn't August. wait at all. They didn't wait. Well. You know, obviously, AOL, Time Warner, HBO, whatever the fuck it is. Who Who is it? AT&T. I'm sorry. AT&T, which, you know, owned everything, was like, uh, we need to get it out now. Like, if you want it in theaters, we're just going to do it now. And only seven are open. And then they just started treating all of their people terribly. Um, <laughs> they haven't won the streaming wars. Um, even though I love HBO Max. Anyway, so I watch Tenet a lot. Because every once in a while, I'll be driving along and I'll be like, you know, what was an awesome moment is that moment in Tenet when. And so then I'll just come home and while like doing the laundry or something, I'll put on Tenet. And I love Tenet. I really enjoy it. Clearly, I keep watching it. Um, Every once in a while, the music will just get stuck in my head and I'll be like, oh, the only way to get this out is to watch Tenet again. Once more (laughs) through the turnstile. But I am probably going to forever be annoyed at the fact that I I may never get a chance to see it in theaters. Like I keep expecting them to re-release it because yeah. like people I have see seen that. it and like it. And like at some point, like maybe before Oppenheimer, I think that's the name of his next movie. They need to say like, Hey, guess what? We're putting Tenet back in theaters to have fun well, guys. Isn't Oppenheimer not with AT&T? Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's he jumped ship. So yeah, fucking, but I mean, they'll still try to make money, right? I mean, like they uh, sure. It was, also, I AT&T mean, this... doesn't own them anymore. Now it's Discovery, Warner Brothers. Oh, or right, yes. fuck. yeah. So Discovery might be like, hey, we're gonna put. Anyway, what I'm saying is, I have it. I saw Tenet on my home TV with my not great picture quality and my not great sound system because I will pour money into my cameras, but not my TV for some reason. And I um I'm gonna be forever pissed off about that, and I'm I'm very happy that uh that I I saw Top Gun Maverick in theaters. For as much as I ended up not liking the movie that much, it was just it is that type of thing where it's like when they are that first fucking scene when they're flinging off the aircraft carrier and you just see it receding behind them, and when they're moving so fast and the trees are going by, like it's it is something to behold. It is it is great. It reminded me. A lot of watching Dunkirk in uh, theaters on 70 millimeter, like, you know, that just in the cockpit, like full immersion. And that's why, you know, that's why we, according to Nicole Kidman, go to a place like this because we need this. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's I was, you know, I really appreciated seeing her speech before um, before the screening, mostly because, I mean, obviously the original Top Gun is we've talked about it a little bit, maybe the height of American military propaganda. Uh, it's it, There were recruitment 
commercials playing. We saw we saw two recruitment commercials play before our screening of Maverick. And just sort of given the the week and frankly, like the month and the years that uh, we've just lived through in America and possibly just because I work for a news and political organization that's been like weighing really heavily on me. It really said something to me about like how much um, or how good in my eyes Maverick was that that level of propaganda of, of America first um, uh, militarization propaganda was able to work on me coming off of the week we just came off of. And like all of the, mm. all of the bullshit that America has like been throwing at me as like a black person, as a woman, like all of this stuff, Maverick still worked. Like I still came out of there like, Oh yeah, America. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was really, and it, it just reminded me of like, uh, Nicole's thing about like uh, our heroes are great here. Everything is wonderful here. I was like, yeah, no, she's right. She she has it. Exactly. Do people legitimately like that promo? I think. Oh yeah. Honestly, oh, Robin, yeah. it's that come around. It has come around, and it has become a thing where it's it's just working on us, man. It's working. It's. I haven't seen it. I, I didn't get either. I didn't get either of these promos because oh, I was in a. I, I imagine. Well, it, it, I also saw it in IMAX, and IMAX theaters typically will not show anything like any images on their screen that aren't IMAX certified. So, like, mm-hmm. if your trailer's not IMAX certified, you're not getting played on there. And so, I assume that a lot of these promos are not IMAX certified. So, they're not going to put, you know, Tom Cruise in, in 1080p on their, you know, 8K projection. They're just like, no, fuck that. You didn't come here for this. <laughs> so, to make a very dated reference, I feel as though... The the Nicole Kidman promo is the call me maybe of like this new world of ours. Because like you first hear call me maybe and you're like, wow, this song is stupid as fuck. But then you can't <laughs> you can't escape it. You hear it over and over again. And then one day you are in your car with the windows down, and you you are like, Yes, before you came into my life, I did miss you so bad. <laughs> like this <laughs> Carly Rae Jepsen crafted a banger. And we just have to respect that maybe we weren't ready for it. Maybe it was too earnest. But the time has come and it's worked its way into our hearts and we'll never be the same again. Yeah, I mean, if you go into and any now, theater here in L.A., um, the applause after that promo is is earnest. It that's is an insane. Earnest, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we applaud it. It's a big deal here. <laughs> How can... Okay, here's my first issue with it. Here's my Robin hasn't spoken too. in like 30 minutes. Because I don't know anything about Mission Impossible. I've never seen one of those movies. So I was what like, is okay, wrong I'm with let you? the experts talk <laughs> she here. She doesn't like know. action movies. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know why day. this is hard. Like, we determined that Robin has maybe never seen a full Jurassic movie. I've seen oh, wow. snippets of Jur- enough Jurassic that it equals one movie. Like I've I've seen Jurassic Park just in like little bits and bites oh here God. and there. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, and say... one of the few people that's read the book before. <laughs> well, hold on. The movie. Hold on. Do you not like dinosaurs? 
they're fine. They've never been my thing. Oh my god! Oh See, wow! I'm okay. like I'm sitting here. You, you never, you never no, had no, that. Okay, I want to step I, back. I'm, 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 I, there's, there's oh, hold on, hold on, back, Robin. <laughs> I, I do, I do want to, I do want to clarify, and this is not to be genderist or any, or I guess sexist. I, I don't, I don't know. Essentialize me, man. Let's go for it. <laughs> is is that a gender thing? Is is like I thought dinosaurs was like a like I'm I, I'm a dumb like only child so I don't know uh, so is, are, dino, are, are dinosaurs like not not a universal thing is know. that my, my mainly sister, like a male thing I've Growing always up, felt the dinosaurs were for boys okay. but like I also grew up in a very um, gender essentialist household but it was just like never my thing I was into things that boys were into plenty but I not always dinosaurs. just felt like Dino- I just hated dinosaurs from the get go. Why? Like, you, uh, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. That, that's different than not being interested. Hating them is a I think I was a contrarian. Of, like I really like when we were gotcha. learning about dinosaurs, like in first grade or whenever it was. I just you remember like, being dinosaurs like, dinosaurs are boring. stupid. I don't like dinosaurs. Did yeah. the animated movie We're Back not even work for you? Oh that was my one God. of my favorite. I have seen movies. that movie a lot. It's like. I've seen, um, oh my God, what's the one you love? The, the Land Before Time. Time. Thank you, Land Before Time. Like I saw that once and I was like, that's enough. Like I've seen Richie Rich like a hundred times. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But to just go back to dinosaurs for one second, I remember very, very distinctly lining up um, to, you know, like at the end of the day, it's like 2.30, we're all lining up um, to, you know, go to the bus or whatever out of the classroom and I hear my car, my coworkers, I hear my classmates talking about what movie they're going to see this weekend. And all the these two boys are like, Oh my God, we're so excited to see Jurassic park, blah, blah. And I was like, I kind of want to see free Willie. And they looked at me like I had three heads. I will never forget this. And I just think I'm a free Willie girl. Just like give me the, the fish. Like I'm just not a Jurassic park person. Didn't see Jurassic park till I was like 14 or 15. I I had already read the book. I was like, I've had enough. And yeah, so I've just never seen a, a Jurassic Park from start to finish. But I think the reason we're talking about this is because I am just not much of an action movie person in general. So like when you're all talking about, you know, you know, your Mission Impossibles and everything, like I'm just listening because I'm learning. I don't really know much about the franchise um, at all. The kind of Tom Cruise movies that I love and you know we'll die on a hill on are like jerry Maguire, um born on the fourth of july like i i do think he's a great actor it's just that the roles that he has really astonished me with are not his action roles at all so i don't really know sure. him as like a uh you know a practical effects guy i know him as like the romantic lead or the you know the dramatic tom cruise so just like a real putting it out there. Lamb Stan, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Exactly. That's the like, Meryl. My, yeah, my not great. <laughs> Wait, what is it? Uh, Meryl Streep, um, Meryl Robert Street Redford. and Robert Redford. It's a political drama. I've, it's not his okay. I've only <laughs> yeah. ever seen the trailer. Oh it's one of those movies that was made like in like 2006 and is like about the Iraq War. And I think it also is like a jumbled timeline movie. I don't know. I've never seen it. But Tom Cruise is like a senator in it. And his like last line of the trailer is like, it is the fundamental question of our day and age. And why why do I remember this? Because Tom Cruise said it. 
And also, I was going to the movie theaters a lot, and they were really pushing that movie. I feel like it was directed probably by, like, Robert Redford or something, and they really wanted to I just yeah. think, like, 06, 07 are dead years for me film-wise, because I remember seeing, like, a few things at that time period, but, like, Babel? Like, wh- oh, why? God, I, w- I mean, I saw Babel and probably thought, like, oh, this... No, actually, I remember being, like, I feel like this is not working for me. <laughs> those, I just... I look back at, like, the Oscars of those years, and I think, like, fuck Little Miss Sunshine... Like, fuck the queen. Like, these movies suck. I um, um, I will say that I was drunk when I saw a lot of these things. So. I, I mean, and I was like a freshman in college and I was busy and yeah, whatever, same. but it was just... Yeah. <laughs> just also, saying. Those were, like, those were like the last two years of like so-called normal movies, frankly, because like 2008 is when you get Iron Man. And then Hollywood just changes forever. 2008 gave us The Dark Knight. <laughs> And Iron Man. Yeah. And at that point, we, we should have all just said, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, the, the year after, I believe, gave us Avatar as well. Which and that's really, yeah, which really fucked. Of terrible yeah. post-converted movies. And it yes. left no <laughs> other lingering impact in the culture. Yeah. Well, and I, it's funny. I think about Iron Man. And so back to Maverick for a hot second. This was the first tom cruise movie in quite some time like maybe since maybe since like last samurai but i'd have to go back and like look at the whole filmography but it's the first one in a while where he's felt even remotely to me human and i think part of it was because he did have finally an age-appropriate love interest who it seemed like he was actually into like it it didn't feel uh super forced or faked and i was thinking a i'm kind of excited about that because also the movie finally acknowledged that he's aging a little bit um Mm -hmm. and it my my friend uh put it like maverick almost seemed like a backdoor pilot to him going back to some of those like adult drama romance type movies uh like your jerry Mm -hmm. Maguire's, like your vanilla skies and i'm like it's the first time in a long time that i've been really excited to see what he's going to do that is not action because for so long it's just like okay what to to quote like Mission Impossible two like what aerial aerobatic stunt is he going to do? Oh yeah, uh, that's, like that's, a that's great what moment. you're looking. Yeah, like that's <laughs> what you're looking forward to. But now I'd rather, like, oh. you'd rather engage in some acrobatic nonsense than yes. harm the hair on the head of a security guard. Yeah, but now <laughs> I, now I, it's like, will he do a Jerry Maguire? Like I, I'm interested. Maybe. I I think I think I don't what's know interesting if he can anymore. I really don't know if he can anymore. He's gonna do a Mission Impossible movies until he kills. He gets killed by one. That's that's the joke, right? Like that he's yes. gonna die on screen. Um, and and you know it'll it'll be like in in loving dedication to Tom Cruise or to the audience that I loved or something like that. And it's just his like oh, it's, his his death is for us. Like oh, thanks, Tom. His dying um, words are gonna be to to the set medic as like they try to like put his intestines back in. Did you get the shot? Like, yeah. Print it. And then <laughs> I think I think uh, there, the time has passed for him to be able to really sell the romantic lead because he with all of Scientology stuff and all of the creepy rumors about how he auditions girlfriends and all that shit. Like, I just can't buy it. it and it has nothing to do with him jumping on a couch. Like, I think that was a little overblown, yeah. but it's all the stuff that has come out since then where you're just like, 
Like, I don't whole, know, man. Again, the whole going clear documentary, which is why I refuse to be called clear guy or whatever the fuck throughout. <laughs> um, which, uh, yeah, I mean, that that whole thing is like, look, maybe Tom doesn't know, but he fucking knows. Like, he has yes. to know. They planted well, a field of wildflowers. for. They man a yacht. You know, basically, this dude is I, like, you know, but then again. You see him telling me this movie is for me and it moves my heart. And I'm like, maybe there's something to this Scientology thing. Like if he's I, I, a Scientologist, if that's what I, can be done. I, I do think so. Th- this this is why I kind of broke in originally. I do think he is going to have his own reckoning at some point with his own age. And I think we haven't seen that yet in reality, but I think that time is coming. And I think that is also why me personally, you know, being a, a sideline, like, you know, uh, psychologist, I think that's why he is making so many of these fucking big action movies, which all almost all kind of revolve around the mission franchise is because he knows that he's going to have to give this up at some point. He is not going to be able to keep doing this. So I think he's having his own reckoning. I think it happened during Ghost Protocol where he was just like, I can either keep making these and make as many as I can in as quick a time as I can because I'm not going to be able to keep doing this or I go ahead and give these up now. And I think he had that kind of reckoning during that film where he was just like, I think I want to just make a bunch of crazy ass action movies and that maybe be the legacy of my like my third wave of my of my movie career. And then I'll have a tail end where like maybe I'm fucking broken from, you know, the knees down. But, you know, I'll I'll be able to make movies still because of my charisma and my charm and my box office potential. So I think. I think there's something happening where maybe in 10 years we will see him return back to the old Tom Cruise where, and you know, this has been well documented by other people. I'm not the first person to comment on this, but he made movies with a lot of like cinephile directors. It wasn't just like bullshit movies for a while there. Like he was make, you know, I mean, he made the last, uh, uh, eyes wide shut. I can't remember his name right now. Um, yeah, he made the last Kubrick movie. Like he he works with big name cinephile directors in his dramatic roles in the past. And I think he has three he, Oscar nominations. He yeah. he has that still in his back pocket. At any moment if he wanted to call up Paramount and be like, "Hey, I want to make this 20 million dollar drama with I don't know, just name a, a hot director right now. They'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go do it. You know? So he still has that power. I think right now, like I said, he's just enjoying kind of pushing that limit. He's a, th- he's obviously a thrill seeker to like the int degree. And he's got so much power and wealth and, and, you know, fame that he gets away with a lot of this shit. And so I think, I think we will see a turn towards the tail end of his career where, you know, they become quieter movies and stuff like that. What's so, interesting yeah, about, I, 
about this conversation about like, you know, his romantic lead and like, you know, Jennifer Connelly being like a, a, a more age appropriate person for him than most have been is that like, I remember, you know, the, Hollywood, you know, people play different ages and blah, blah, blah. And you've got 25 year olds playing 16 year olds and whatever. But like, there's always been a thing about like, you know, like there've been a couple of movies where I look at it and go, you are clearly too old for that woman. And one of them is Yes Man with Jim Carrey and Zoe Deschanel. And when, I just remember watching that and being like, he should be talking all the time about how much younger she is because she looks a lot younger. A lot of times you'll get away with it because it won't be until you look it up where you're like, oh, I didn't realize he was 50 and she was only 25. Like, that works, well, it, Laura, I guess. It, it, recency, right? Laura Dern has come out and said, I think, that the the quote-unquote romance between her and Sam Neill in the first Jurassic Park film is like wildly like inappropriate. And I was like, wait, she wasn't near his age. Oh yeah. I, I, I thought I she was I, a lot older. I thought, yeah. you know, I, well, of course I saw that movie when I was like seven. So I'm like, Oh, they're adults, you know, that weird nebulous non age. Yes. Just like, so I thought she was like 35 and he was 40 or whatever. I have literally no idea what their actual ages are, but you know, oh, I'll look they're that covered up real in quick. dust. They just look older. <laughs> but the other movie where I was like, this feels wrong is Oblivion starring Tom Cruise. Yes. Directed by Joseph Kaczynski, where the love of his life is, uh, what's her face? Olga Kirilenko. And the other like person that he's a partner with is Andrew Riseborough. And I just remember watching that movie being like, Andrew Riseborough has a kind of like, I don't know. I don't think she's from England, but she's got a kind of severe looking English thing to her. So like maybe she's older and like Tom Cruise has kind of that boyish energy and, like, obviously they're living in a post-apocalyptic earth, so whatever. But then Olga Kurilenko shows up, and I'm like, she is a child, Tom. Stay away from her. There's no way no, you I... were about to propose to her. Ugh, she is anyway. uh, so American Maid. British and 20 years younger than... Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, it's the same thing with American Maid. Um, Sarah Wright, who plays his wife in that movie, where, again, very boyish energy. He was probably too old to be cast in that role to begin with. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was born in 1983 and he was born in 1962. Right. So she was she was, was born and then like four years later, Top Gun came out. Right. <laughs> yeah. OK, so so Laura Dern was 26 or she was probably 25, 24 when she was when making okay. Jura- yeah, Jurassic Park. But she was 26 by the time it released. And yeah, Sam Neill is around 20 years her senior. So See, he was 46 and she was 26. Because they don't look at the movie. They do I have not. To say. No, no. He, he looks like mid. Uh, maybe I'm just aging poorly, but like <laughs> if I looked like Sam Neill looked in Jurassic Park when I'm 46, I will fucking high five God like that. <laughs> Dude, you already look 46. What are you talking about? I know. Well, yeah, yeah. You've seen me in person, so you know. So, like, yeah, I, I look, I look terrible. I've aged poorly. Like my life. <laughs> And the sadness and the drinking and the cigarettes have done a number on me. Um, yeah, you, you do not you do not hold the uh, the Tom Cruise uh, diet and lifestyle, Brian. No, no, I need to go and drink the blood of Tom Cruise and Will Smith to try to like. Maybe... Does he also avoid nightshades? Like, what's his deal? 
I'm I'm someone compared him to the Tom Brady of like actors where it's just like, okay, so I guess he's just got a whole regiment, which I mean, it it makes sense. Like you just look at him. He he ain't got time for all that bullshit. Like he's he's got to go jump off buildings like, you know, so I mean, mean, that's his vice. (laughs) He's going to die on screen. So he would he would honestly probably have a longer lifespan if he were addicted to to amphetamines. Um. <laughs> so Joseph I, Kaczynski, just because we talked about Oblivion, is actually a director that I like, even though I don't know that I've ever full on loved one of his movies. But like, I remember watching Tron Legacy and being like, "This is a gorgeous film," and the action scenes so are good looking. And when I saw Oblivion, I said, "The movie is like needs like three more drafts on that script. It is yes. insane. All the twists you could see coming a mile away. But the action is great, especially the mm-hmm. aerial stuff when they're fighting the drones." I, I remember speaking the words out loud. He's perhaps the only modern director who fully understands like the the geometry and the like continuation of action. Like he's the only person where mm-hmm. I can orient myself in an action scene. And that holds true for this movie. So like that is going for it, but I do have to say that I wish they had just not I wish they hadn't shot down Maverick and Rooster and then had them like go oh, steal are we, are a plane. we in spoilers now? Yeah, why okay. not? I don't know. We've been talking okay. Like yeah, we we minutes. we didn't we didn't we didn't officially say that. So I'm just if like you okay. Are an hour and fifteen minutes into this podcast, and you don't think we're about to start spoiling things? But yeah, we're spoilers. He gets shot okay. down, and then a fucking helicopter shows up because it can't just be a soldier, <laughs> right? It's got to be a full sure. attack helicopter. The only thing that could possibly threaten Tom Cruise's life, and this is after another plane was not exploded but just had its engines die and the people ejected and then they were in the hospital for like a couple days but he gets missiled out of the sky runs away from an attack helicopter rooster shoots it down is then shot down himself and tom cruise full sprint runs to find him in the middle of the I don't even know where the fuck they're supposed to be. Well, the tundra. Yeah. Because what is a tundra? The Ural Mountains. Running? He has to run. <laughs> yes. That's the thing. Yes. Is that yeah. he, he knows, he at this point is like, I need to run. I need to have some quips. I need to pull a heist. And it's like, Tom, I don't, that's not really, do you remember first Top Gun? You didn't do any <laughs> of that fucking shit. And he's like, no, no, no. Once we get away from Miramar, this needs to turn into a Mission Impossible movie. Where's Chris? Tell Chris to take some pages for Mission Impossible 13 and just staple them onto this thing. <laughs> and um, and I I was like, no, like you know, I was like, oh, this is weird. Like it's it, now we're in behind enemy lines, uh, but instead of Owen Wilson, it's Tom Cruise, so possibly not as good of a movie. Um, and then and then he like goes and like runs. In which to direction? Find Rooster. I don't know. I think I think I like Behind Enemy Lines. That's a good movie. Uh- Okay. Yeah. I, I like I like this a lot better. I think this is a better I don't know. I'll have to watch behind enemy lines and get back to you. Um <laughs> but but yeah, so he like runs, he finds Rooster, he pushes him, he's like, Oh, I saved your life, and he's like, I saved your life, and they're like, Okay, well, what do we do now? And it's like, I don't know, do we like evade capture and like wait to be rescued? It's like, no, they'll never come for us. This weird ass country that we're in which is like a failed state or they won't say rogue nation, I think, because I think it's Iran. <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to be Iran, but he like, I thought it was Cruz, Iran too. Cruz is That's so good weird. at this. And like it was obviously in the original, like they don't name the enemy, but like that 
I think was less purposeful than this. This is definitely purposeful. Like he, it was already not going to play in China and Russia. He didn't want to risk anywhere else at not playing because he appeals to the masses and he knows yes. that. And so that's just, the, I, the I, don't, movie, I don't understand. Like, it's, it's a Gulf nation, you know, whatever, sure. like, you know, the things there and this one, they're like, yeah, they're going to get a whole nuclear reactor, but we're still just conveniently not going to say what's going on. And I think it's, I, you, I think that I'm with all of you. You hear us unfriendly state getting nuclear reactor and you're just like, oh, so it's Iran. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Great. Yep. Maybe like I, I, I don't like, I don't understand why this is a thing. Like I I I, I, I honestly the, the news the news I think is the reason. No no, <laughs> I I don't understand why why us having this conversation is a thing. Like oh, why does I, it matter that like the country is unnamed and the enemies are but it, when it I just, was running down yeah. the plot it does it is like and this, so they're in the enemy but also it's it's a little harder to like understand because like you know it's like it's it's like if you're in a failed state like I could understand like they're gonna refine something and make a dirty bomb but then they have like Sam sites and the most advanced fighter pilots fighter fighter planes so advanced that even our Navy's planes would be like tissue paper against them no 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 we have fifth we have fifth generation planes as well but our fifth generation planes are not going to be flying in to do this mission in particular because this is a low it's got to be a low trajectory mission like that's that's what the f-18 is like is still around for is basically like ground combat and Mm -hmm. that's the idea here is that they are basically like now it is it, it is i think the the conversation they have in the film is basically their fifth generation fighters are just as elite as our fifth generation fighter pilot or fighter planes so now it's become who is the man in the box right and so that's that's where we're going <laughs> to get the upper hand and so But I think this film does a great job of being like, these F-18s don't stand a fucking chance against, you know, I I assume their F-35s basically is, you know, whatever the the fifth generation plane is. And so, you know, we don't want to get into a dogfight. And I thought the, the film does a really good job of like setting up those stakes and basically saying like these F-18s are kind of dinosaurs, you know, they'll, they'll still pull like 10 G's, but you know, they're not supposed to. And you know, all of these other things. And so, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought the whole setup of, it's a low trajectory mission. It's got to be run in this amount of time because we got to get in and out. Otherwise we don't stand a chance. I thought the stakes were so well set up. I enjoyed also, I really enjoyed the way that they showed how they were going to virtually like fly these planes around this, like, theoretical area to kind of simulate the actual combat arena and all this stuff. I was like, I'm tracking all of this. Like this looks and feels great. And like, I actually have some information that like, you know, that feels relevant to the film. It's not just like pow, pow, pow. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I, I think the cinematography here and I, I, I will say Kaczynski and the way that he probably storyboarded this along with his production crew is probably the reason that exists. It's not just, you know, not just the cinematography, but yeah, the way that this was storyboarded out and visualized and like given to us, I feel like I actually have like have a lot of understanding about like what this mission had to entail, why they even have to pull this goofy, like flip upside down to then like, like go back down into this little uh, valley area. And all of that is to keep this like low altitude thing. And I was just like, I'm, I'm getting all of this. I really appreciate the time and effort that they put into like giving us that. So it's even like more impressive given that the actors themselves had to, a lot of that cinematography like came from them because they had Mm -hmm. to film themselves uh, while they were in the cockpits, they weren't flying the planes. They were in that, whatever the backseat is called. And so mm-hmm. there were real, real pilots flying the planes, but then they had to, on top of dealing with all the G force and just the regular back and forth, make sure their cameras were aligned, check their makeup, then do all the acting, uh, mm-hmm. that came with it. So they're partially responsible for all of this, which just, it's incredibly impressive. Are they going to get a union card? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, again, this is like, I'm not going to say it's not like, uh, like it's not a movie that people shouldn't see. I don't know if that double negative made any sense. But anyway, I, um, I just, I just can't, I still can't, I can't get over the fact that like it ends in this like super cartoonish way. Like Maverick does not belong on the ground and he does not belong stealing an F-14 which he then pilots and is like, oh, like, you know, back in the saddle, like the old girl. This is a museum piece, Maverick, just like you, blah, blah, blah. Rooster is in the jump seat where his dad used to be. And now they're going to, like, survive this time. And, you know, I just like, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's just, I I was watching it just, like, growing more and more despondent. Like, this is where they decided to go. Like, the, I, I somehow was still <laughs> on the movie's side. When John Hamm is like, God damn it, Maverick. Now I've got to make you team leader. And I was like, are you fucking with me? (laughs) Like the, I was really excited when the movie was like, you're not going on the mission. You're training people. I think that that, that's a much more interesting thing to do. And you could still have him do the simulated run to prove to these young whippersnappers that it's possible. You know, I was kind of digging the fact God, someone come through. But they ran out of time. Someone come through they and ran out of time and tell me how many references I made to other movies. I was enjoying this movie when it was like Miracle with Tom Cruise and fighter pilots instead of Kurt Russell and uh, and a bunch of fucking hockey players. But like, it just, I don't know. It just, it started to bug me and I couldn't get over it. All this, all this stuff they were doing. And it's just like, I don't know. It just really bummed me out. Like the first, the first Top Gun is simplicity. It's fucking self. There is an opening scene where he, you know, ditches the rules, man. He like, you know, hits the deck, but then comes back up because he's got to go and save. I think I can't remember what the guy's name is. Wolfman. I think it's Wolfman. He goes, he saves Wolfman, brings him home. He's like, hey, dude, you know, stick on my wing. We're going to get you back home. And the guy turns in his wings. He's like, I can't do it. I freaked out. And I was thinking about my wife and my child. Uh, You know, I would have made her an orphan before she even met me. I'm out. 
And then his guy, his uh, commanding officer who hates him, is like, oh, God damn it. He was the best I got. You guys were second best. He's gone. Now you're the best. You're going to Top Gun. And they're like, oh, fuck yeah. And they go to Top Gun. And then they win. Or no, they don't win. They're, they are in the running to win. Goose dies. Oh, my God. Maverick's like, I got to do this for Goose after he, you know, moodily decides that he doesn't want to do it for a little while. And then he gets second place, but he didn't wash out, which was a personal victory for him because, you know, people were worried that his tactics would get him in trouble. And then they're like, hey, guys, celebration's got to be cut short. There's a situation in the Gulf. Oh, fuck. Get on the plane. <laughs> get on the boat. Go off of the boat into the air in the plane. Dogfight, dogfight, dogfight. Everybody lives. They come home. Maverick won. The, the situation has been resolved by a single aerial fight. Whatever. That's fine. You know, you can be my wingman anytime. No, man, you can be mine. That's it. That's over. And this movie is like so much fucking extra shit that is unnecessary. And it really started to bug me. And I, um, I, I just, I couldn't, I like started to lose my mind after a while. And I was just like, this, this is insane. I can't, I can't with this right now. Well, I mean, I think a lot of what you are pushing back against are also the things that, people who are not enamored with the first movie are like less inclined to be annoyed by like you are judging your feelings based on your reverence for the original and you know so like some of the nostalgia of the original and i think also that's what a lot of people are loving about the movie they're like oh yeah fuck yeah maverick whatever like i walked into the movie theater on thursday and somebody was taking a picture with their daughter in a maverick shirt so like clearly well, look, I took a picture of my daughter this. watching this the the original, you know, at Christmas. Like, I get I, it. like, it's important. I, I, as as we were entering the IMAX theater, uh, there were three people. I don't know if they were pilots, but they were definitely in uh, fighter pilot jumpsuits, like <laughs> like the green and the They're beige, cosplay. like full on head to toe jumpsuits, and I. It, it was funny because uh, my buddy that's a firefighter who I went to go see this with, he was just like, we, sh- we should have dressed up, bro. And I was just like, I don't know if that's a dress up. I don't know if that's just them like oh, showing. Well, at some point you're like that guy from <laughs> well, Red Rocket yeah. and you're just wearing the the yeah, military guard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, stolen valor. No, I, I, I wasn't saying that, but yeah, no, I, I think, I, I don't know, like they could have been fighter pilots. Who knows? You know, I'm just I, like, all people right. People definitely have a hard on for this movie though. Like, I, I tell like, you guys about the time that I accidentally stole valor. Oh, I, I have a story too, but go. So, so basically there, there's a chain of restaurants that are named after uh, fighter divisions, I guess. Um, so I worked at a restaurant called the 94th Aero Squadron, and its whole shtick was it was kitted out like it looked like a French countryside, you know, chateau or whatever. And there were like, you know, fighter plane memorabilia everywhere. There was like a, a, a fighter plane on the lawn, you know. And so, you you know, I don't know. Is, is this a is this a, a Washington thing? What the fuck? It is, you can look it up. It's all over. Um, there's okay. like there. I don't understand what they are. It was really good food, though. But anyway, I loved working there. But I go with a bunch of my friends from the 94th Aero Squadron to a bar. And the DJ at the bar is one of the waiters, because, of course, he is. And he says, I want to give a shout out. To all oh, the boys no. and girls from the no. 94th Aero Squadron no. here today. And we all cheer. Woo, yeah. 94th Aero Squadron. And then 
a couple of guys from Andrews Air Force Base who apparently were hanging out in a college town came over and uh, offered to buy us a round of drinks. And we said yes. And we didn't find out until we were like, you know drinking already that like they were that they were buying us that because they thought they'd found kindred spirits <laughs> so anyway that's uh whoops um we they, bought the they didn't, drinks next. They, they didn't notice that y'all didn't have your dog tags proudly on display they like, didn't have, okay first of all it's not like the hard deck in this movie where everyone's wearing their dress whites all the time and like you know <laughs> yeah yeah looking yeah. looking hot as fuck that's interesting because I feel like my father, well, I mean, I don't know. My father used to tell a lot of tall tales, but one of the tall tales that he would tell is that if he ever felt like threatened in any kind of social setting, he would tell people that he fought in Cambodia. Now, my father was not a Vietnam veteran. He, you know, they 4F'd him or whatever, but he would use that as like a way to protect himself because he is that because people think that if you went to Cambodia, you're one of the fucking crazy ones. Well, that's so, isn't that where Pete Mitchell's dad died in the first Top Gun? Like he finds out that his dad didn't like die of an accident. That's a, too much research, man. He died. He died. I can't in Google top that. Mission over Cambodia. I don't know. Talk about things. I'm not. I don't know. Sure. I have a similar. I had a similar thing happen. Um, I think it was either Avengers 2 or, yeah, I think it was the second Avengers movie. There was a premiere in New York that my friends and I just decided to go like stand on the red carpet for because we knew all the actors were going to be there. And I wanted to get my shield. I had a Captain America shield. I wanted to get it signed by all of them. So I did um, Peggy Carter cosplay because I have an original uh, whack uniform from World War II. So I, I wore that and I was like standing on the red carpet. Everyone's coming over, signing my shield. They're taking pictures. My friends who was obsessed with Tom Hiddleston got to take a picture with him. And then I started to realize that they weren't stopping for anyone else. Um, And I was like, what is going on? Realized that this was a screening specifically for, uh, 9-11 first responders. Oh my God. (laughs) They were like, there were a bunch of like FDNY, NYPD, and then like a bunch of military people who were there. And then they tried to, they were like, oh, aren't you coming into the screening? And we were like, no. And we just left. <laughs> we didn't find out until like two days later that that is definitely why they all signed the shield. They thought I was like an active duty service person. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I didn't feel great. <laughs> I, um... You know, I, I I understand y'all's predicaments here, but I also feel like this is a misunderstanding that you didn't necessarily have any part in, right? right. Any it's direct... An, like... It almost feels weird to call it stolen valor, because maybe sure, you more sure. like accidentally lifted some valor, <laughs> not realizing that that valor was not for everyone. A- accidentally benefited. Secondhand benefit, Yeah. <laughs> Right, like, I took a penny benefit. from the, I took a penny from the jar when I should have taken the penny from the tray. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> or, or sure, yeah, I I grabbed the penny from the jar and realized it was like a nineteen nineteen penny, and it was worth like a thousand dollars. Whoops. <laughs> Maybe. Um. What was I gonna say? Uh. Yeah. So this. I don't know. I mean, Robin, you make a you make a point. Like, I know a lot about the other movie. 
But I feel, it, I, you know, and I've accepted other film franchises jumping the shark previously. But again, I feel like this is kind of like my 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 short rope fuse, whatever, with um, the Mission Impossible movies, like where it's just that kind of thing where I'm like, I just can't. Like this is the one. Like this is the I, thing I th- that I it thought, just went too far. Like you know, the first. Movie, I thought you enjoyed Fallout, though. No, I thought I was the one. I about how I didn't. I, I, I thought I was the one that that was like, no, this helicopter sequence is is a bridge too far. See, no, that's crazy. I thought that I, I am I the one like a Tie Fighter. <laughs> say, say that again. Oh no, that's the one where I always think like he saw a Tie Fighter in Star Wars and he was like, I can do that for real. Because <laughs> that's I, what I, it is. <laughs> I don't yeah, understand. He's, he's flying it like it's a Tie Fighter. Um, yeah. What? Oh, oh, the the, the 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 helicopter. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't mean him flying it. I mean when he literally like climbs the rope and then at some point like I, I, I don't know. He he. Yeah, the things that he does with the, the uh, helicopter the is he, just like, bananas. What's the, which is the one where he holds his breath for a long time? That's, oh, that's go. Yeah, that's Rogue Nation yeah, to get out of like to, the 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 weird. It's like a coolant ventricle thing. thing yeah. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like you know, oh, you can't hold your breath for twelve minutes, and it's like, well, I have to, and he he does it because he has to, and it's just like you know, I just I just there's, I'll have to go back and listen to the episode, Bill, because my recollection is that like I did not like Fallout even a little bit, and everyone else was like, you're fucking crazy. This movie rules. Oh. Hardcore. Well, I I mean. I enjoyed everything until the helicopter sequence. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought that was I too mean, far. I'm but, fully yeah. willing to be alone on this. I understand that other, but and like, and I just, I don't know that it's like, oh, I hold the first movie in such esteem. I, I think it's just a fact of like, I, you know, I, I wasn't ready for this movie to go quite as cartoonish as it did. Which I mean, well, I do agree with for... you that it goes cartoonish. Like yeah. I, I kept thinking, like, is this really happening? Well, maybe <laughs> like, it's not. If the, the I know. Article... <laughs> oh Jesus! Well, the tone I, just shifts so dramatically. I, yeah, I do. I like, do want to hear more about your your view, Robin, because especially being a action film, like you know, not naysayer, but just like. I don't know. I don't know what to call I ain't you. A, I, I don't drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not a true yeah. believer. So, so the yeah. fact that you like openly were like, I really enjoyed this. I, I found I find fascinating because this seems like action movie crack to a lot of people. And it's like, OK, so why did you enjoy it? I just I think like as I was saying, I think the technicals are so well done mm-hmm. um, and it people it just seemed like the people on screen were having fun as as they were moving along now are there characters that i have no fucking clue why they're there like sure. like hondo who is that guy why was ed harris on screen for like two seconds looking like a skeleton like because he's that's, in the original he now yeah Wait, well, i know but it's just like i thought he was is he not i don't I remember so. him I'm almost oh wow he's not well i think that that's something we're gonna this is going to come out on Blu-ray at some point, And we're going to have a lot of questions answered because there's like the Ed Harris of it all. There's the Hondo. There's obviously the Manny Jacinta, uh, Jacinta, like, where did he go? Where was um, he? Wait, was yeah, he supposed so I, to be in this? He's in it. He so was he in the credits. In 
and he he shows up in a few like you can see a like blurred face in the back of a few scenes and when he was cast everyone thought that he was going to be a much larger part but i think like again with sort of like the question of where did christopher macquarie come in um i think that and that point is probably the turning point for a lot of like where did the rest of these characters vanish to? Yeah, I'm a. Did uh, Jay I, Ellis talk floor. at all during this movie? Who is Jay Ellis? Did he Ellis? have one line of dialogue? He's the black one. Oh, the, the main black one. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're like he's the black one. Um, I, yeah. I mean, well, 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 when you, there, when you there said something about Hondo, when you said something about Hondo, I was gonna be like, well, he's here to be Tom Cruise's black best friend, obviously. So they have a goodbye. <laughs> He's playing the what's his face role from uh, from Mission Impossible. The Simon. Pitt. Oh, no, 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 not no, Simon, no, no. The, uh, I the big black guy. Yeah. Oh, Ving Rhames. Yes. No, Ving oh, Rhames is much cooler than Hondo is. <laughs> oh, geez. So okay. I'm actually I'm I'm shocked because there is a there is apparently a, a this is going to sound terrible. There is apparently a second woman in the flight school. I don't remember that. Maybe I just wasn't. Who does? I, I remember seeing, this is going to sound bad, but I remember seeing another pair of tits on the, uh, on You're the, correct, uh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I, I, well, this is the only way this I can describe it. Brain speaking. Well, this is the only way I can describe it because I remember during the football sequence, seeing another pair of tits. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I didn't recognize her face and and I couldn't tell who she was. And so I'm just like, I, I'm just like, okay, wh- where did this other woman come from? Like, well, like in, my, yeah, in my brain, there might've been an Asian woman. Like, that is oh, Halo, I don't remember this at all. She is the, she is in okay. fact the second, the second pair of tits that we're talking about. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, sorry. I'm going like, to hell, but first I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So it's, it's one of those things where the movie is kind of like very clearly like, Here's Phoenix. She's fucking cool as fuck. And she is the only woman that matters. And then we will also have Hangman. And then we will have, um, what's his name? Rooster. And then for some reason, we'll also have Bob. And Bob <laughs> has a big blinking sign over his head that says, this motherfucker's gonna die. But yes. spoiler alert, he never dies. He makes it Bitch never dies. Uh, a couple of things. A couple of things, real quick. Uh, a that is Lewis Pullman, yeah, who he's from I think Bad Times he, at the El Royale. Correct. He's also Bill Pullman's son. Yeah, uh, he's gonna have like a big starring role in uh, Salem's Lot uh, movie coming out here Woo-hoo. soon. Um, but what was what was what else was I gonna say about him? Oh, uh, Ed, Ed Harris. Ed Harris is, is not TV in show? the original. Yes, this is that TV show directed by George Clooney. Man, Catch-22 just keeps coming up. Yeah, it's weird. He For plays no Major reason. Major? Oh my God. I got to watch this stupid fucking show that no one ever talks about. I wonder Why? if Ed Harris just felt right because he was in The Right Stuff and Apollo 13. I first, know. I've, first, they reached out to Gene Hackman and he was like, right. and <laughs> They were like, you were in Top Gun. He's like, no, no, I wasn't. Why like, no, was you were in that sweaty here? Tony Scott Navy movie. And he's like, that was Red Tide or Crimson Tide. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, do you want to be in the new Top Gun? It just doesn't I'm make also- any logistical sense that he comes in for about two seconds and then the villain role gets switched to poor John Hamm. 
Yeah. I feel like Ham doesn't have the villain role, though. I feel like Ham he's has the, the... He's definitely the yes. yeah. but he's not the villain. Well, yeah, he has the role of, um, well, I'm the Pentagon, and I'm letting you use these planes, these bases, these sets. You better have someone who represents us and the way that we would actually act. Because that's like the great, mm. like, that's the juxtaposition of the movie. It's like, it's supporting the American military, but the characters are all people who could never actually be in the military, like whatsoever. They would have all been drugged sure. out or dishonorably yeah. discharged, whatever you call it. Did you say drugged Did, out? Like they would get roofied no, drugged and dropped? Out, drugged oh, out. Okay. <laughs> I heard drugged out. I was like, yeah, they're going to roofie them and drop them on the side of the road. Did you, um, <laughs> did anybody have this feeling like, okay, so at, at the, you know, during the climax, when rooster climbs into the, backside of the plane and he's like what's going on like i whispered over to my husband like baby on board because that's what it felt like it was like nothing bad can happen because the baby's in the car better stick a little decal in the back so you know I, I legitimately that thought that like, board. the movie was gonna be tom cruise dying and like everyone moving on and but no he's he's and yeah. then finally and then, miles teller gets the franchise that he needs right? and i just it's one of those things where you can feel like the 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 screenwriters going okay like oh god we got to fix this fucking goose problem okay so he's gonna get like oh what if like what if they have to fly together and they're like well you know the f-18 is you know these guys are single pilot no no no, no. okay tom cruise gets shot down and then rooster gets shot down and then they maybe like find another f-14 or something and someone was just like i don't know we're making too much money to give a fuck yeah let's just write that I don't know. It's, just, it's I, such a poor. It's like that, such a. I don't know. I don't like it. That, that that sequence I think works really well because a I enjoyed the entire F fourteen like takeover sequence yeah. because I feel like there is so much like fog of war chaos going on that. Them being like, yeah, I see those people over in the distance. They're running the opposite direction of us. Uh, we look like fighter pilots. Let's just keep moving and acting like we but belong. Like that's, because that's such nobody's a, that's such a quippy, stupid Mission Impossible thing to do. And I just don't want Top Gun Maverick to be a Mission Impossible film. Okay, I but like, I enjoyed you know, it. Okay, well, that's I enjoyed point. that, and then and then when they get up into the plane, and uh, the other uh, pilots are making the hand signals, <laughs> and, and Tom Cruise is just like he's just like, nope, don't know that one. Which nope, again, don't know that is one. Such a quippy Mission Impossible, yep. and it's it's just not what I want in this movie. It's not so what the movie had been giving me. You want a bunch of dudes just like having fights with their dicks. I'm sorry. No, it's not just a bunch of dudes having fights with their dicks. There's also two girls fighting with their tits, Robin. (laughs) Name the second pair of tits, because I still don't believe it. Lieutenant Kaylee Halo Bassett, Mm -hmm. played by Carowang. I'm going to guess, I have no proof of this, but in every article I've read about the training, uh, Barbaro, or whatever, the actress, I think that's the actress's name. Monica Barbaro. Yeah, Monica Barbaro. Um, she like excelled at the training school, uh, the flight school that Cruz put all of them through. She was the best one out of all of them. So I'm wondering if that was her reward. Like she, they just <laughs> knocked out the other woman. <laughs> they were like, you get it. This movie was going to have must three only be women one woman. in it. Instead, yeah. there's going to be one and a half and you will be one and Jennifer Connelly will be half. 
Um, Jennifer Connelly was definitely half because yeah. like, what was that? And like you know, again, but then again, Glenn, Glenn we don't need to watch Jennifer Connelly if you know. I, I, fucking amazing I like in this that. movie, and I think that Rooster's whole character arc, going from he, he flies too slow and can't take a shot to. Why can someone explain to me why he finally he, decides he just not overthinks, to suck? And then he gets the power of not thinking through his not daddy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we should probably we should probably round ra- round it up, wrap it up. We should wind right, I up. Have a couple of things. Let's I land say. this plane. Okay, Robin. <laughs> number one. Go for it. Where was where was Meg Ryan? Why did she I have that question too? Why was did she kind of die? Curious about that. I think well, they needed. The, uh, it, her to be they, dead they, just to make Rooster more of an orphan. If that, yeah. they, they, I, I think. Uh, what what is Kelly McGillis? Who they a lot of people don't. Th- her. It, well, a lot of people don't even think that uh, the the chemistry between Cruz and McGillis is very good in the first film. Um, I. I I don't know. I, I don't know how you have chemistry with Tom Cruise. I don't know how you don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that what that <laughs> even means. Like, like I just I, I, I don't know. Don't know um, but it's one of those things where she's she's openly like commented. I think they didn't even approach her, and she's just like, "I'm fat and old." Like, yeah, they didn't cast me in this movie, and it's just like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I just well, think that's we also rough. We're like, I don't think that that's a relationship that's gonna. Last. Well, it, it, <laughs> it is to the point when me and my friend walked out because I hadn't seen Top Gun in probably like five years and Goldfish Brain. I don't remember things like this, and so <laughs> I walked out of this movie convinced that they just recast Jennifer Connelly in the Kelly McGillis oh role. Oh my god! You thought that the, <laughs> the civilian liaison <laughs> just a... randomly decided to buy a bar. And and have a child with another man. Yeah, you know, she is. She is referenced in the first movie. Yes, she's referenced, character. but she, yeah. but, but she's never seen. And so I was just like, oh, that that is why McGillis like publicly Wait, made she? those statements. What? Yeah, she's the admiral's daughter. Yeah, she's oh. she's referenced and just never seen on screen. Yeah. Oh, huh. interesting. Because I know that they they like shouted him for making time with an admiral's daughter. I didn't realize that Penny was the admiral's daughter. Yeah, it is kind of a how did we wait? Remarkable. How do you know that? How did like where did you learn that? Because she's the true fan, and you're but nothing. Yeah, no I worm. feel I feel like I've been <laughs> undercut right now. No, 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 no. I that I I've been obsessively reading about this movie. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It is. It's a pretty remarkable that Jennifer Connelly has lasted this long in Hollywood, because I mean, Jesus Christ, she was in Labyrinth. That was uh, almost forty years ago. I'll tell you how she does it. She's uh, willing to take very unglamorous roles where she plays this character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's also stunningly gorgeous. Right. Well, that's the thing. Twenty years still, ago, she still brings like her shine and sparkle to it. But like, <laughs> she's here. Like, oh, you need. A woman in Reservation Road, the day the earth stood still, <laughs> Ink Heart, the dilemma. You need someone to play the wife mom. Salvation Boulevard, Winter's Tale, something called Shelter. I'll play Nahmeh in Noah. You know, <laughs> I'll I'll be in Only the Brave, another Joseph Kaczynski movie. I will show up for two scenes in Alita Battle Angel. You know, she that's oh, she just yeah. she works, man. That's what she do. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. I enjoyed her character in this. She's I thought I thought, I, 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 thought the, I thought the romance was fun. And I thought I thought that sequence when he like drops out of her, her top floor or whatever. Her and top like gun. the kid top gun. And then the kids just sitting there and it's just like, oh well something something hard deck. <laughs> huh? I will say and don't get mad at me this. As I was watching this movie, I was like, this is fun. This is fun. You know, it's a great movie. An officer and a gentleman. Like, you know, it blows every single Top Gun film and future film out of the water. An officer and a gentleman. Okay, but oh, all I want movie. is all I want is dogfights. You know, I, I like I almost I, I thought I still think actually that the reason that Independence Day was such a big hit is because it was a movie that was primarily dogfights, but with aliens. You know, and that's all that people really needed or wanted. And I honestly thought that Independence Day Resurgence or whatever the fuck it was called was going to be a big hit because it's like, oh, well, now we have, you know, alien technology, too. And so we can do dogfights against aliens, but better planes like Uh, I think you're I think you're discounting uh, the charisma again, like charisma factor of Will Smith. Mm. Like, well, yes, the fact that he wasn't in that movie, I was like, oh, this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. He again, he should have been like training people how to fly the alien planes. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I just like there's things that I think should just automatically make money. And one is dinosaurs and one is aerial dogfights. <laughs> Did the good dinosaur make any money? Uh, Probably. Yeah, I guess. I, do, I don't hate that movie as much as other people do. I've never seen it. It's, it's fine. It's not. It's not essential. That's why I didn't see it. Yeah. You only see the essential things. That's true. That's I what they say about you. <laughs> I Robin, have one more thing to say. Essential bar. <laughs> that is totally opposite. I watch a lot of hot shit. Um, one final thing I want to say is: Can we just go back to the Nicole Kidman promo thing? Because God damn it. I don't understand. <laughs> I, have been soon. Always, I can't always. be here another forty minutes. <laughs> I just don't understand the the draw here. Because how can anybody take Nicole Kidman seriously at this point? Like. I can't look at her face and think this is somebody who melts into any role. She's got a slight Australian accent and her eyes are very piercing and she's tall. And that's all it takes. Yeah. I literally just described my perfect woman to you. (laughs) Somewhat Australian. Slight Australian accent. Tall. Piercing piercing eyes. eyes. Yeah. You forgot like fucked up and needs a lot of help <laughs> and has like a dog that's gonna go straight to the incinerator unless you adopt it <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> i'm just saying wow all right oh and one final thing i'm gonna say about this movie so this is the first movie i've been to in a really long time that was not a press screening and who boy it i was not prepared for jane and joe boston to be just spouting hot shit of the whole movie and like my husband they're going wicked fast he loved it because he's like oh finally i know what a movie i know how people are going to respond to a movie instead of these like asshole critics um because (laughs) he's usually going to these screenings with me and instead all i hear is like some 40 year old bro going awesome awesome for the whole (laughs) fucking movie and then the oh my god it was so annoying i was just like i can't i don't like going movies you know with press screen people either because they're fucking annoying including myself i can't go to like you know joe schmo movie anymore 
I don't know what to do. Do I just watch movies in my house now? That's oh, that's I, why I, I, I go to Alamo. <laughs> yeah, I, like I love going, an interactive theater personally. Yeah, I, I love going to the theater. I mean, let's watch my favorite stories. Like the people who were nodding on heroin when I went to see Zero Dark Thirty. Like, that's just a great moment. I love going to the movies. It's literally my favorite activity. And I go several times a week. It's just like I can't deal with what I consider obnoxious behavior from people who are both completely unlike me and who are completely like me. Which do you think is worse? The people who are unlike you or the people who are like you? Oh, definitely the critics. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I love I one of my favorite memories is still sitting there as this like couple nodding on heroin tries to watch Zero Dark Thirty for some reason. And then at some point they mumble to each other the entire fucking movie. And when they shoot Osama bin Laden in the face, this couple goes, I thought he was in a hole in the desert. And without thinking, I turned to them and said, you're thinking of Saddam Hussein. Not in a mad way, but in like a, they're my friends and I'm correcting them way. And just realizing that that's the level of a relationship that I had forged with them as they nodded next to me was that I felt it was important to tell them that they were thinking of the wrong Middle Eastern man who was gotten by the U.S. military. Anyway, so yeah, that's the that's the power of cinema. As as Nicole Kidman constantly says, this is why we come to this place. That that feeling when the lights go down and the person next to you starts nodding on heroin. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts from anyone before we sign off? Before we land this plane. Uh, um, I do want to make a correction. The reason the F-35s are not used is because of the uh, GPS, like the the jamming of the signals. So that's why. So the, the uh, F-18 GPS is less jammable? I guess so. It, it's. It, I guess they're just not. They're not aiming at F-18s. They're aiming at F-35s. Gotcha. All right. Well. Anyway, that's super cool. Uh, so that's been us for today, talking at length about both Top Gun Maverick and the Nicole Kidman AMC bumper. Uh, hope. Oh, you- did we? Do we like the Gaga song? I didn't. I don't. I have. No I find it inconsequential. <laughs> if it were a truly important song, they would have started the movie with it. Like like yes. the original Top Gun, they were like, we got fucking logins. Agreed. Put it yeah. everywhere. And they, and they just used it again. Like, if, yeah, if that's song. The whole it's all this movie is exactly the opening of Top Gun. It is, it is yeah. the golden light, the people doing the thing. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then they're like, but that's not where the action is. I'm like, the fuck it's not. <laughs> Take me to this Dark Star Mach 10, whatever this shit. Anyway. Oh, what yeah. I, did, I didn't what know I did what Mach 10 that. was. Oh, my God, I, Robin. I literally oh. was like, isn't that the thing from the shaving commercial? Oh, Christ. <laughs> um, what I love about that plane is that it's like only one or two generations over what the X-Jet from X-Men is because they're both Blackbirds. Yes. And mm-hmm. apparently filming that... Uh, they confused China so much that like China sent a satellite to, I was just, I was just reading this in Forbes. <laughs> like China literally sent a satellite closer to the filming location of this movie because they were like, wait, what does America have? Uh, we got they, Tom they, Cruise, they, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a radiation spike you're picking up. 
That's the wattage That's of his star power. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So anyway, this this has been a, an absolute blast. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Kendra. Thank you. Of course. God thank you for dude. having me. Robin, would you like to make that noise again? Pew pew. Okay, great. That's <laughs> That's what we'll every time I tell a, a a guest that it's been a blast, you can just chime in with your old pew pew. In this economy. In this economy? God, how did I not make that joke yet? Thank you, Robin, <laughs> for keeping the joke alive. Um twinsies. 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 Anyway, uh <laughs> thank you everyone listening at home for putting up with us. Don't forget that we're brought to you by Mubi, M-U-B-I.com slash filmstage for a free 30 days of Mubi. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage to give us your money. And um, yeah, what are we talking about next week, Robin? Fire Island. Cool. I don't know what that is. It sounds. I shan't be telling you a thing. I was about to say, I, I'm assuming it's about gay people. Is that? It's pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, it's getting great reviews. Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait. Uh, what is that on? Is that on? Can people watch it? with us hulu hulu baby who's got great stuff um so yeah i i'm already excited about it so yes next week is fire island so join us for that uh between now and then let's tell the fine people where we can be found online if they would like to seek us out uh kendra james would you like to tell people how to follow your work on the internet yeah um yeah uh listen to uh love it or leave it and keep it on crooked that's where i produce shows uh you'll never hear me on crook you'll never hear me on keep it you might hear me on love it or leave it uh once or twice every so often you can buy my book admissions a memoir of surviving boarding school it's out in hardcover now and it's available wherever you get books ebooks physical books whatever and then um on twitter and instagram i'm easy to find i'm kendra james underscore at the end so it's kendra james underscore nice that that reminds me of like Back in the day when they'd be like, wherever books are sold. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, be careful Googling at me at work because I do share a name with a porn star. So, um, you know. Oh, <laughs> wait. Yeah. Yep. Damn, wait a second. Robin, did we not get the porn star for this? <laughs> wow. Huh, Other yeah. pair of tits. God damn it. The mystery Bill. tits. <laughs> Robin, I'm sorry, it, Kendra. It is- Robin, it is freaking no. me out that you're like, oh, wow. Because it makes it seem like you thought you saw something and now you realize you didn't. No, that wasn't it. it it's more like, oh, that's that's why this name fits so well in my brain. It's like my friend. That's like, <laughs> wait. But Kendra, I already knew your work. Like you were doing Chondaland and I knew who you were. It's like my friend from childhood, Lance Hardwood. That guy had a real tough time once the internet became a thing. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> Mm-mm. Anyway, Bill Graham, wait, wait. where can where can people find your shit online? Uh, you can find me at CableBFG on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. Um, and then, of course, mixing it up in the Slack channel. And I'm still active in there. Uh, I will be honest, though. Uh, it's just basically random for me at this point. Yeah, I, you uh, just pop uh, in <laughs> like a little ape of chaos, like a little imp. You're just like, ha-ha, whoa. <laughs> and then you throw a snoke bomb and then you just leave. Yep. That's the I way to do it, to call it a snoke bomb. But <laughs> I yeah. did call it a snoke bomb on accident. <laughs> uh, yeah, you drop a picture of Snoke and then you leave. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> that sounds like Paul making his references <laughs> to the prequel trilogy. 
Oh my god. All right, Robin Barr. I should be calling you people by your call signs, and yet I am not. Yeah, Honey Bear. Honey Bear. <laughs> um, you can bear. find me on Twitter at R O B Y N B A H R. Uh, same at Letterboxd, and uh, you can sometimes find my writing at the Hollywood Reporter. I think we should all say our call signs real quick. Honey Bear. This is Axel signing off. Uh, this is Frostbite on your wing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I am Moonshine, and uh, I'm telling you people that you can find my actual Moonshine that I made at inkwellwhiskey.com, uh, my distilleries at tremendspirits.com. I, of course, can be found at briangerowan.com, and all of my writing in every episode of this podcast can indeed be found at thefilmstage.com. So, ladies oh, and gentlemen, Jesus. thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. I